Hi everyone and welcome on this fine March day to Dead to Rights, the podcast. I'm your host, Donna Carrick. We've got a great series of interviews coming up over the next few weeks. On March 17th, we'll be bringing you our interview with Barbara Van Driel, former special agent in the FBI, and uh, she will tell us all about her book, It Never Happened. On March 24th, we'll be bringing you an interview with Howard Levine. And Howard is the author of Last Gasp, which is his second novel and is published by Black Opal Books. In early April, we'll be bringing you an interview with D.J. McIntosh, Dorothy McIntosh, the author of the Mesopotamian trilogy, The Witch of Babylon, The Angel of Eden, and The Book of Stolen Tales, which was my favorite of the three. That was book two in the trilogy. And Dorothy will be telling us about all of her new work and upcoming work. So look forward to that in early April. For today, I'll be bringing you my interview with author Lana Webb, Lonesome Wolf. And Lana is a self-proclaimed faith fiction author, so she'll tell us about what that means and about her book, Lonesome Wolf. And now, let me get Lana on the line for your enjoyment. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? Terrific, and welcome to Dead to Rights. Thank you. You're welcome. I wanted to talk to you about your new book, and it's really very new, um, titled The Lonesome Wolf. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Well, it's set in 68, Texas. Mm -hmm. It is about a young widow with a baby and a man who rides up on her homestead while uh, she is in a very traumatic situation and he helps her out mm-hmm. he looks around notices that the place is in dire need of a man he decides to stay for a little while to help her mm-hmm. and they develop a friendship and then they begin to notice they have feelings for each other but their relationship has um some problems would come with it and so mm-hmm they debate within themselves whether or not they need to give in to the feelings or. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, can you give me an example of a problem without giving away the entire story? Okay. Well, one example is her brother who uh, she has lost her parents. And so her brother's very protective of her and he is very, very against the relationship. Mm-hmm. And also, the relationship can um, be considered by many wrong, and it could come with prejudice and even maybe with danger. Okay, okay. And it is set in what part of Texas is it? West Texas. West Texas. Okay, so it really is still some terrain that has some hardships, isn't it? Oh, yes, very. They are still... Uh, being attacked by Apaches, they are still very new to building towns and 
to working the land. So yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what is your protagonist's name? Jacob. Jacob. And, and uh, the lady protagonist? Clara. Claire. So Jacob and Claire. So this Claire. is a story of Jacob and Claire and their attempts to come together. And uh, it's also, I think, a story about faith, isn't it? It is definitely. Yes. Uh, they are both believers and very strong in their faith. And so of listening to God and giving into God's will rather than giving into our own or what we think we should do. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And how do you approach your first novel with such a strong theme of faith? Uh, uh, is that based in in your own background? Oh, yes, definitely. Yes. OK. I, OK. I would I would have thought so, but I didn't want to put words in your mouth. Tell me a little bit about that, how that ends up in a fictional work. Well, it is to my life and my beliefs, and it's very difficult to be strong and write a story without without it being centered around God and uh, salvation and being able to rely on him so mm -hmm. it's just it's really hard uh, to write that without it so. yeah 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 I would imagine it's part of you as the writer and so it's going to make its way into the work really as simple as that isn't it yes exactly yeah. Yeah. Well, I like your frontier setting very much. Can you tell me a little bit about setting as a character? Well, without the setting, there would be no need for the two of them even to really be put together in a situation. Uh, they would have met, they would have passed by each other. If there were not the need for so much help for a woman alone, mm -hmm. and she it, it would it was very, very tough times for a man alone or for a family and for a woman to be alone, especially with the baby mm -hmm. was just a, a huge, huge obstacle in life. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how how old is her baby? Oh, he's under a year old. Under a year. Wow. Wow. And she finds herself without parents, with a protective brother out on the frontier on her own and uh, in steps Jacob and I would imagine that he probably saw immediate things to do with her home with her abode that needed work is that right absolutely because she hasn't has hasn't had a husband to be there doing it and so the fences need mended her own home needs work all of the things that a man would be able to do over the course of a year and it's, mm -hmm. It hasn't been done because she's just trying to take care of herself and her baby and you know live. Mm -hmm. And tell me a little bit about Jacob's background. Um, we got a little bit of an insight into it to Claire, but give us a little bit about Jacob. Well, he is he is also without a family. He's without any family, and he has really been alone for much of his life. And he is very, very reluctant to create any type of relationship in his life because of the aloneness that he is used to living with and the fear really of creating a relationship that he would lose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And that is an elemental theme amongst all of us in life. I've seen people so many times turn away from good friendships, even pets, even reject uh, the idea of having pets because of their fear of loss. Fear of loss is such a huge driver, isn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it, like you said, pets, we can relate to that. We lose one pet, we say, we're never going to get a pet again. And yet, you know, there is something in us all that wants companionship. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a pet seems like uh, not that big a deal. But all of us who have owned them know the companionship is so rich that you get from them. And and compounded by the fact that it's an actual human being, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. But sometimes it's easier for us to explain these deep human emotions through pets. Um, I think in literary circles, they call it personification because, some of the human emotions when they're described in a human element are too deep. They're too painful for people. So when you explain it to them in terms of here's what goes on between you and your pet, now they can understand it and they can grasp it, you know, which is, it's funny. It's a funny sidetrack from what we're talking about, but I've found it to be quite true. Um, I've known people who put up walls and they're so afraid of human relationships and yet they are so utterly bonded to their pets that um, it's almost frightening, you know. Yes, absolutely. Well, a pet, they know a pet is going to give unconditional love. So yes. it's an easier bond to create. You know? Yes, exactly, exactly. But then there is still that that fear of loss that absolutely. comes with it. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to ask you how this ends, what choices they make, because that would simply give away too much. So let's go on to book two, which I believe have you finished book two and I are now? Finished it. I'm, I'm about halfway finished with it. But I about halfway. Okay. Okay. And what is its working title? Jack Ellison. Jack Ellison. Now, is it a sequel to Lonesome Wolf? Uh, yes. It's a different. There's a different protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is in, he plays a central role in the first book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's a carry-forward character, eh? I love when that happens, when a character takes on their own life, a side character, and uh, has to be written. So that's Jake Ellison. And when do you project that one will be available, in your best guess? Um, well, Jack is really wanting to be written, but I started a new job in August, and so I'm having a difficult time finding time to do it. But I'm a teacher, and so I have the summer where I can have a little bit of breathing time. So mm-hmm. my hope is then to finish it by the end of the summer. So it should should be less than a year. Well, that segues really nicely into, I wanted to ask you about uh, Lana Webb, the author. So you are a teacher, eh? What do you teach? I teach high school English. High school English, perfect fit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And tell us a little bit about your own your own lifestyle and how it led you into fiction writing. Well, I've always had a very vibrant imagination, and I had good friends who also had vibrant imaginations, and so we sort of cultivated each other's over the years and encouraged each other to do something with that rather than just sit around and imagine, mm-hmm. and I was, I was a principal several years ago, and one day I got incredibly ill, and uh, I I was in bed. I couldn't get out of bed for many months, a 
few years, in fact, and I had to, so I had to quit my job, obviously. Can you say what it was, Lana? Um, not to be too overly personal, are you able to say what it was the? It, it was actually a combination of things. I had um, several chronic pain issues. I have uh, fibromyalgia and I have chronic migraines. I get sometimes, you know, a few or several a week. And mm-hmm. I have something called occipital neuralgia. It is a migraine intensity headache. And I have had it for December, actually Christmas will be 13 years, every day, mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can imagine it makes it very difficult to think. And I've had a big problem over the years trying to find pain medicines to fix it. Mm-hmm. And then I was also having some trouble uh, thinking like cognitively. And one day I just, my brain shut down. I couldn't understand questions that people were asking me. And so I went home to rest and I picked up a book to read it and I, I could read the individual words, but even two or three of them in a row, I couldn't put them together and figure out the thought. What How the terrifying. Author- that is just terrifying. Yes, it was. It was terrifying. And for a person who is used to dealing in words with her life, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it was especially terrifying. Yeah. And it was, it was a long road back, both physically. I, I was... Uh, I was in an extreme amount of pain. And so it was, it was a difficult road back both physically and, you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, um, also I am. And so being sick accentuated that problem. Uh, which and, problem was that? I didn't catch that. Oh, I'm bipolar. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm bipolar too, so it's not the one people normally think of. It's a, a less severe form of it. But I was sleeping for days at days at a time. Every six week, weeks or a couple months, I would be up for several days at a time. I mean, as in no sleep whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it was during those times that I began to write. I, all of these scenes were going on in my head already, and I felt like I knew the characters and I mean, when you're up for three or four days, you, you clean house, you arrange things and, but you can't do that the whole time. And so I found another outlet and writing mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a really good use of that time. I, I, I mean, it, that, that's kind of like saying when you have lemons, you make lemonade. Right. I mean, I'm sorry you went through all that, but I'm glad you have your book. You know? yes. And actually after it all, I'm, I'm really not sorry. I went through all of it. I hate that my children had to experience that in their, uh, you know, formative years. And I hate that my husband, it was all put on him. Uh, but we all grew a lot during mm-hmm. that time, both uh, with our faith, but also just as an individual, having more compassion, mm-hmm. having a stronger will, mm-hmm. having uh, the confidence that we can get through situations and also having then the ability to share with others who are going through situations. It, I wouldn't want to go back to the. No, no. I read an article just recently um, that, and I can't remember who wrote it. I'm sorry. I can't attribute it, but it basically said that as a society, we really are roadblock driven. So in other words, we become better with roadblocks. And if we try 
to govern each other's lives in such a way that we don't experience those roadblocks, we suffer in the learning. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's especially true for parents with children. It's a, it's a big draw to be able to just remove the roadblock from their lives because we don't want to see them suffering. But uh, like in my faith, the times that I grow in Christ and in my faith are times when I have troubles and, and it's a, great learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure as a teacher, you see it too, even absolutely. outside of, even outside of faith definition. Um, I'm sure you see it when the helicopter parents and their children just don't know how to surmount the struggles on their own. Yes. And then it makes it difficult for those students becoming young adults and, and out on their own and yeah. not having, you know, the constant contact yeah. with their parents and having to solve problems on their own. Yeah. And as a parent, I, I mean, there there is a sort of a, there's a little bit of a secret gratification in knowing that your children love being your children. I mean, I'm always gratified when I hear that, but it's also frightening because they should also want to be adults. Right. You know? Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that's what we're <laughs> aiming for is children who can make that slide, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Very, very true. Very, very yeah. true. Yeah. My son is 21, and so we've recently gone through the uh, moving out of the house, being on his own, and I'm just, I'm so incredibly, so, so incredibly proud of him. He just yes. got out here and, and conquered it. You know, he's, yep. he's really killing it. So That's what you got to do, I'm telling you. Our, our oldest is uh, going to be 34 next month. Okay. And uh, our youngest is 16. Our middle child, our our middle son is uh, 20. He's just 20. So we've we've actually done the parenting thing for a very long time. You know, (laughs) we spread it out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah. So when we see our daughter, our youngest, going through the same things that our other two went through, the same transitions, it's all very familiar. And yet, because she's a girl, it's quite different very different you know? yes, I also have a 17 year old daughter so I know exactly of what you speak it is very, yes very yes I mean it manifests differently even though it is the same problems and uh, it eventually will have its same conclusions one thinks but the process is quite different and add to that the layer that times really are changing too and there are different approaches our daughter yeah. is um she's extremely analytical and uh she has this intense set of initiative within herself and I don't I'm going to touch wood I don't really have a lot of worries that she'll make it in the things that she sets her mind to but her approach is just quite different her approach is very I'll I'll give you an example the boys would try and err Mm -hmm. both of them were quite courageous in that way whereas our daughter We'll Google it first. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I don't know. I'm not going to ask your age, but I'm old enough that I went through a lot of um, organizational dynamics training throughout my professional life. And one of the things that we were asked to do was to play a game where your team needs to cross the Sahara Desert and all of the other teams also have to cross the desert. And who was going to get there first with the least loss? And what is your approach? And you're given a series of different approaches that you can take. But once you take them, you can't go back and change them. Interesting. Yeah, it was fascinating. And the team that won consistently was the team that researched first 
took the extra days that were required to research what would be needed and what roadblocks could arise and how to deal with them. So even though they lost like three days of time at the outset, they gained and their losses were very small. And that is kind of Tammy's approach. Sorry for kind of going on about it, but I'm fascinated with her approach because I'll sit there and my husband will sit there and say, oh gosh, how do you do this? She'll be on Google within seconds. Well, here's what you do. You know, <laughs> let me tell you what to do right here in the palm yeah. of my hand. I have the answers right. Exactly. Yeah. There's no excuse for not knowing anymore. <laughs> it's quite something to watch, you know. And you've had a son and a daughter too, so you know that these experiences are—they're really something to treasure, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, oh, I just—I'm trying to take in every single moment because your relationship with them changes so drastically and from from zero to 17 or 21 yes it changes but it you it just sort of flows one into the Mm -hmm. next but Mm -hmm. within those few years from high school to college to completely on their own and my son is um he is completely on his own now he has a job a very good job so it's it's a drastic yeah and dropped into your lap and you're just kind of scrambling on how to deal with it and oh you just yes you try to take in every single moment because you don't know what the next step could be I mean is he going to get a job that's going to move across the country that would change our relationship yeah Uh, is he going to get married soon that would change our relationship it's just all these huge dynamic changes that are on the horizon and it's yeah mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I know, I know exactly of what you speak. Um, um, our right. second is still at university, thank heavens, for another year or so. Uh, but we are faced with all these things. And with the youngest now being close in age to your youngest, you're seeing the end of the immediate parenting cycle. I know parenting, you know, you never really stop being their parents, but your immediate tasks as a parent are coming to a close. And that's kind of a little frightening from the parent's point of view, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, frightening is calm of a word to describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, first of all, my children and I, we have wonderful, wonderful relationships. And uh, I know usually teenage daughters can be just, you know, hair pulling, but she has never given me one ounce of trouble. And we uh, have created a very strong friendship and, and it was so difficult to have my son who I, I also had that strong friendship with to go a few hours away and now to have my daughter going and there's, you know there's not another kid left there to be with me exactly so, oh yes it's way more than frightening yes thank god for our pets right right exactly <laughs> no i know <laughs> our darcy curls up on my lap and i just tell him you're my baby now <laughs> exactly that's right you're the only one. that's crazy i know <laughs> now lana i I've got to ask you if you've got any tips for authors before I let you go, because um, I try to do that for our new writers who are coming up. And you're a relatively new writer yourself, so you can really speak to those. Um, and it can be anything. It can be the business end of writing. It can be the artistic end of writing. Anything that comes to your mind that you learn through the process that you'd like to share. Okay, well, um, I can think of a couple things. The first one, well, let me just mention the business side first do not be afraid to go for those goals that those around you might 
think are completely crazy and that you could never achieve because you never know just stepping out and asking one person to do something that, you know, maybe they are a well-established author and you don't even know them and every they're famous. Everybody else knows them and they're ask them for help. If that's, if that's something that you think um, you might be in need of because authors are not selfish individuals. They no. want to help other authors coming up. And so take those chances you, because you never know what might just catapult your uh, book into fame or just into the hands of people who can read, mm -hmm. read it and love it. Be, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Their lives like you have it in your life. So um, that would be the first thing. The other thing is as I was putting my together and I, I like to say that just one day I looked down at my computer and realized that I had written a novel. I mean, I was just getting the stories out of my head and all of a sudden I was like, Oh wait, this is, <laughs> this is actually a book. Mm -hmm. um, but there are so many ideas out there and tips out there and therefore how to put your story together do you fly by the seat of your pants? Do you organize it? Do you put up a story wall? Do you completely outline it out and then not stray from it? Or can you let the characters lead it, etc.? And I would say you have to find what works for you because mm -hmm. my brain work like anybody else's in the world and neither does yours. And so you have to find that combination of things that works best for you and don't be afraid when someone says, oh, that's not a good idea of how to write. So just say, well, that's, you know, that's how I write. It's work, so. working for me. It's working for me. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I've tried them all. I've done uh, intensive research and plotting for one book. I've done a storyboard for another book. And I've flown by the seat of my pants, so to speak. Actually, I don't even think it was that um, for one of my, my novella, I, I kind of think of it as having been organically grown in my mind before I started writing yeah. it was a full picture it was a full painting before I started writing so I wasn't really flying by the seat of my pants but I definitely had no notes right. and, okay yeah. mm -hmm. and they all worked they all worked because you you've got to commit yourself to the work I think that's really what it is isn't it absolutely yes and you have to be willing to like you said uh, maybe this my novel was like that. It, it was already in my head. I already knew the story. I already knew the characters. And it was it was uh, easy to just grow it on, on the page. Mm -hmm. But I have another work that, I, uh, that I'm working on, uh, aside from this series. And it's about Texas Rangers. And it requires a completely different approach. Because I want to be so careful that it is true to the time period to the weaponry that they would have or the responsibilities mm -hmm. that they would have. And so it is a completely different approach. And, you know, yeah. Open to that. yeah. So that gets you into a lot of research, which is one of my favorite things. I love research. Lena, I've got to ask you, where do you, where are you located? Um, you don't have to give your exact address, of course, to listeners, but just roughly where are you located? I am on the Texas Gulf Coast under um, Houston. South okay. Houston. Okay. So you 
Oh, you know the area very well, and you have got a lovely, lovely accent. Um, I hope we've got listeners all over the world, but I know our Canadian listeners in particular are going to love your accent. They're going to love listening to your voice. So thank you for that, for sharing that with us. <laughs> um, and thank you for sharing all your work with us too. I, I really encourage listeners to get out and look up Lonesome Wolf by Lana Webb. And Lana is L-A-N-N-A. And uh, Webb is W-E-B-B. And Lana, do you have a, a website or any place where listeners can find you and connect with you? Absolutely. I have a Facebook author page, which is Lana Webb Author. And I also have a, my own website, which is www.lanaweb.com. So it should be easy to remember. www.lanaweb.com and Facebook, Lana Webb Author page. Are you on Twitter at all? I am. I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram, but I'm not very active on those okay okay so those are growing maybe you'll get in touch with me at one point and um let me know your handle just so i can tweet it out to our it's listeners all too. lana webb everything all of it all lana webb excellent so just mm -hmm. at lana webb perfect thank you very much lana and have a wonderful day and thanks for joining us on dead to rights thank you so much i i loved it it was a lot of fun I want to thank Lana Webb, author of Lonesome Wolf, for joining us today on the pod. Are you a published author and would you like to be interviewed for Dead to Rights, the podcast? If so, please email me at carrickpublishing at rogers.com and in the subject line say Dead to Rights interview. You can reach myself, Donna Carrick, or my husband, Alec Carrick, anytime. We're on Facebook as Donna Carrick, as Alec Carrick, and that's A-L-E-X, or as Carrick Publishing, or as Dead to Rights. We're also available on Twitter, and that is at Dead to Rights Pod, at Donna underscore Carrick, at Alex underscore Carrick, and at Carrick Pub. And of course, if you've got any questions for myself or for any of our authors, you can email me anytime at carrickpublishing at rogers.com. Our Dead to Rights theme song, Eyes of Gold, and all other story music has been composed and performed by Ted Carrick. And you can learn more about Ted's music at his YouTube channel, Ted Carrick Music. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Let it rise.